This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to Season 2 of the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast for Parents. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcasting community exists to educate, inspire, and encourage parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. Here, we talk about all the things impacting parents today, everything from health to big emotions, toddlers to teenagers, faith, self-care, stress, and so much more. We know parenting is tough work, but family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone. Family is one of life's greatest adventures. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey guys, this is your host, Susanna. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I don't know if y'all noticed, but we quietly hit 50 episodes over the last couple weeks, and I'm so excited. I'm so excited to bring you guys this content. It was great taking a little spring break. We had some travel planned, and I'm excited to bring you my guest today. I have actually been wanting to have some more technology experts on the podcast for a long time. Actually, it's it's one of the reasons I created this podcast, and so I am so thrilled to have Andrea Davis on today. She runs an organization called Better Screen Time, where she is all about what she calls the slow tech relationship first approach to technology and families. And so she explains that she talk, we talk about iPads, we talk about television, we talk about devices, we talk about what is a great age. Um, you know, how do you know when your kid is ready for a device? And what are some ways we can really keep our kids safe? You know, I think as moms and parents, there's a lot of fear wrapped up into this. And that's very real. And there's a lot of really negative things that happen online but the opposite end is we stick our heads in the sand and we pretend like technology is going to go away and that's not really a great strategy either and so I think y'all are going to love what Andrea has today I know I really did and even if you don't have children who are at the age to be getting devices this is great you know Andrea talks about having conversations with your kids as soon as you feel like it's appropriate, like they're gonna understand because the truth is they're gonna have buddies who have iPads. There's gonna be kids on the bus that have different kinds of devices. And so it's so important that they hear from their parents about what are some great choices and then modeling that in your home, which can be hard and doing the things that make sense for your family. So. Again, I am just like all about all these technology conversations. I know we don't always want to have them, but they're so important. And so with that, I'm going to drop you guys into this conversation with Andrea Davis. I know you're going to love her advice. And um, we're back in action on the 7th. This is coming out May 7th. Thanks for being here. As always, if you want to support this podcast, you can write us a review on Apple and you can share with your friends in real life and on your socials. Thanks so much, guys. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the 5 to 8 Shift. I am thrilled about our guest today. And so we're going to kick off. I'm going to have Andrea introduce herself and tell us a little bit about what she does. So today with me, I have Andrea Davis, um, Better Screen Time and, you know, lots of other things. So Andrea, why don't you kick off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Susanna. I'm super excited to be here. So yes, I'm, I'm a mother of five. My oldest is 17. My youngest is seven. We have four girls and one boy. 
We live in Hood River, Oregon. That's about an hour east of Portland. It's kind of an outdoor Mecca. So we have Mount Hood not too far from us oh, yeah. and then the Columbia River. So it is a windsurfing capital of the world. People come here from all over to windsurf and kiteboard. So that's what people do in the summer. And there's a lot of hiking. So we obviously just love being outside and getting our kids outside. And then I'm also the founder of better screen time. So my mission there is to help families worry less about tech and connect more together as a family. So that's, that's what I do. Yes. I love that. And I just, I said, um, to Andrea, just off air before we started recording, you know, I just, I, I think the family unit is so like undervalued. I think people say they value it, but then like our policies and our worlds and our jobs, you know, and I'm just like, I'm so happy to have you on and have somebody talking about, you know, what I think is just such important work, your family life and pouring into your kids. And, you know, my next follow-up question is, do you guys kite surf or go windsurfing yet? Is that something you guys have gotten into? My husband's tried it. I have yet to try it, (laughs) but we do love to, I usually paddleboard is what I do. It's a little bit more low key. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, on the ground, stay yes. on the ground. You know, we went down to the outer banks a couple years ago and apparently they do a lot of, um, height oh. surfing there in the sound. I oh, was very right. impressed. I never saw it before, but yeah, yeah, yeah cool. it's quite a skill. So it's, you'll get people from all over here and, um, but yeah, I've mostly just stuck to my paddle board so far. <laughs> That's good. I like paddle boarding yeah. a lot. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how did you get into this work of doing better screen time? Where did this start? Um, yeah, like, like give us kind of the backstory. Yeah. Well, I really think it started when I became a parent, when I became a mom a long time ago. And I have come to realize that when my oldest was about to We were living in Indiana at the time. My husband was going to Purdue, getting his PhD, and we were just surrounded by a lot of amazing people and friends. And one day I was visiting with one of my friends and she was an amazing reader. Like I love to read, but she just took it to a whole nother level. Like she was just always reading and she had read everything. And I just asked her, I said, what did your parents do to instill this love of reading? Yeah. And she said, well we didn't have a TV growing up. (laughs) And I was like, really? And I was just fascinated by that because it obviously is a little Mm countercultural. and I grew up with a TV, but kind of in the middle of nowhere with three channels. So it was pretty (laughs) basic. And I just went home and I told my husband, Tyler, I said, what would you think if we don't necessarily get rid of the TV, but what if we just put it in the closet and we use it like an appliance? So we'll just like pull it out for family movie night and for the Olympics. We love watching the Olympics and my husband's not super into sports. So it was kind of an easy sell. And he was like, sure, let's try it. And so we did. And yeah, it was really like way less about the TV. And it was a lot more about that. I just wanted my kids to be readers. I wanted to raise readers. And so we did. So we put the TV in the closet. Oh my goodness. And I have pictures of us like pulling out for the Olympics. It would sit out for a couple of weeks for the Olympics and family movie night once in a while. But for the most part, we just did a lot of other things. And okay. you know, every once in a while, obviously I still would use like their desktop computer and I'd get a hmm. DVD from the library. And you know, this is like, stuff Oh yeah. Back. Oh yeah. <laughs> and 
you know, so it wasn't that my kids didn't ever use media, but it just was pretty limited. And then, um, that worked great. And to be honest, we, we still do that. So we, um, today have a projector instead of a TV and it's kind of a long story. We had a house fire a few years ago. So our TV that was in the closet, you know, was, we lost that, but we ended up just replacing it with a projector. So that's what we still do. So if you walk into our home, you won't even find a TV, but I will tell you what happened is years later, we made a cross country move from Illinois to Oregon. Mm -hmm. And at that time, our oldest was in middle school and kids her age were starting to get phones. And when you talk about phones, you know, even just like five years ago, it was smartphones. Mm -hmm. And so I was really concerned about her knowing where to get off the bus, how to get a hold of her, because we moved to this place where I didn't know anyone like a single person. And I also noticed that a lot of her friends at school before we left Illinois, were starting to get phones. And so I thought, She'll be able to stay in touch with those friends that she left behind because it's a really hard age yeah. to move. Yeah. I'll be able to stay in touch with her. And it wasn't really even a super conscious decision. Like we didn't go down to the cell phone store and like buy her a phone. We just had an abandoned smartphone we weren't using. Okay. And I basically just like handed it over to her. Like you can call us if you need to and blah, blah, blah. Well, fast forward a few <laughs> months later. And I, I realized, I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go, but I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward a few months later and, you know, normally when she'd come home from school, we would sit and have a conversation about the day while she Mm -hmm. ate her after school snack. But instead when she came home, she would pull out this phone and I still can see her sitting at the dining room table, eating her bowl of cereal. And instead of us having conversation, it was like this, like swiping, texting. And I, I thought, what, what have I done (laughs) and what is this? Yeah. And again, like you have to think back like five years ago, iPhones didn't even have screen time on them. No. Um, like it it was all just very new. And so as parents, a lot of parents in that era just made this mistake. And so I I started talking to people and saying like, well, what do you do? Like at what age do you hand over a phone? How do you do this? And I just had so many parents tell me, don't do what I did. Like I, I made the biggest mistake parents who were just ahead of me a couple of years. And so through some hard conversations with my husband and my daughter, we went back to a brick phone because that's what was available at the time. So just like we got a cheap phone off of Amazon, okay. got a SIM card, it didn't have any internet access so that she could at least call or text, but you know, this was old school texting Okay, and there were a lot of tears. Like it was really, really hard. And I just thought I started looking for answers online and I really just wanted like a parent ahead of me to say, how do you do this? And not, and because most of the parents were saying, don't do what I did. Yeah. And then on the flip side, a lot of the stuff I was finding was really, really fearful And I was starting to, as I did more research, I was reading books like glow kids, reset your child's brain. Like a lot of the newer at the time, they were kind of really the only books and resources on the topic. Now, five years later there, there's a lot more available to us, but then there really wasn't. And so I just started parenting from a place of fear then like how, 
do I do this? Because I have protected my kids for so long sure. and then I made a mistake. And so what do I do now? And that was really the beginning of better screen time. Okay. So number one, I have to tell you my most, my, one of my very good friends, Lucy, she is a voracious reader. She also grew up without a TV. That just, I mean, she, she reads something like 25 to 30 books a year. I mean, and, and she's got three small children. I mean, crazy. So that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned like putting the TV away. Number two, we got a projector over COVID and it has been awesome. Oh yeah. Love it. We bring it outside in the summer. I mean, I think it's such a good, you know, just something different. We use it actually quite a bit. Um, but you know, it's interesting to me because now I'm almost like, I love the TV because we're actually all looking at one screen together. Whereas we've been in situations where like three kids have three iPads and two kids are watching the TV and then five older kids have phones. And I'm like, wow, we live in a world where we can't even get a bunch of kids to watch the same thing. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. And that's why I started to realize, well, the TV is not, the TV is the least of my concerns now, (laughs) really. Like it used to be the thing you worried about, but you're exactly right. And I think your experience about like, you know, the phone, and obviously you've been very intentional, you know, since you've had this experience with your daughter, but I think it's really hard for parents to go backwards. Like when you said there was a lot of tears, um, because I I just don't see parents do it that much. And so when I hear about it, I just, I like, I want to give you a big hug because I knew it wasn't easy for the kid and easier for the mom or the dad or whoever. And, um, I think that's kind of, you know, that's really hard. It's hard to step back. No, I really appreciate that because yeah, I think if you haven't been through it, it's hard to realize how hard it really is. And I have parents tell me all the time, well, it's too late for us or it's too late for me. I already gave, I already went and bought the Xbox or I already got the Nintendo switch or I already gave my daughter Instagram. And I'm like, you know what, if your intuition is telling you that it was a bad move, you can make a change. And I think, and it does, it takes some humility. I had to tell my daughter, I'm like, this is on me. Like, this is my fault. I didn't know. And I really didn't prepare you well because she felt bad. She felt like she had done something wrong. And I'm like, you know, you, you didn't, I didn't prepare you for this and I wasn't prepared. That's okay. We're just going to start over. That's right. We're going to start over. And, you know, so I'm a college professor and I teach, um, I do a lot of communication and media courses and I started asking my students, I've started asking them if you were the, if you were your own parent, would you give yourself social media at the age your parents gave it to you? Mm, and they over, they overwhelm. I mean, last semester is 95% of my students said, no, I would not give it wow. to myself when I was a lot of them get it at 11 or 12, 95% said no. That's but amazing. it's a little bit like what you just said. You, you it's kind of like you don't even know what you what you don't know yet until you yeah. you know in a perfect world you have like you said a parent who comes before you who can mm-hmm. say, "Hey, this is what we did. These are the mistakes we made," you know, and help you along, but I think that doesn't happen especially cuz the pace of technology, this is so different than other things. It changes yeah. so much. 
Yeah. And there's, um, a great quote by, uh, Dr. Dimitri Christakis. He is a lead pediatrician at Seattle children's hospital, but he's done a lot of research on the topic of screen time. And he basically has said like the science literally cannot keep up with the technology. So technology has moved faster than the science. So we have all this access to this technology, but we don't know what it's doing to us or to our kids because it takes years. Well, you would know this as a college professor. It takes years for research to be done and to really see the impact of, you know, of things, you know, it takes years. And so we, it is just kind of this big experiment that that's been run, unfortunately on our kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I, yep. I, exactly. An experiment we're all part of, you know, usually whether we want to be or not, cause we mm-hmm. need to be connected on some level. So, so then let me, um, let me ask you about, you know, you talk a little bit about why it's important to have healthy screen time boundaries. So let's say there's like a family out there, their kids are creeping into, you know, whatever screens and, um, why are boundaries important and where can somebody start? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that because technology has changed so much, Mm -hmm. we have to create boundaries. And I think that that's something we haven't had to do so much before because technology today doesn't have stopping cues like it used to have. So for example, when I was a kid, one of my favorite shows was little house on the prairie. (laughs) That was very popular when I was a kid and I knew exactly what time it started and what time it ended. Uh And so I would get on. And when it was done, I got off because again, there were only three channels and there was nothing else on. And I went outside. I did my homework. I helped my mom set the table. I went and did these other things because there were natural stopping cues today because of the internet and because of portable devices, those two things, it's made anything and everything accessible 24 seven. And so there are no natural stopping cues for us or for our kids. And so it's essential. The families create their own boundaries around technology because no one else is going to do it for you. And it is, we've brought it into our homes because they're, because it's like, Some people want to compare it to cigarettes, but you really can't because it's more just like food. And, um, you know, I've seen this comparison be used by a lot of screen time experts, but, you know, you've kind of got your digital vegetables and your digital candy and you're trying to decide like, well, yeah, I want to bring this technology into my home because, you know, it helped us do school during a pandemic and, you know, it helps me work from home. It helps Mm -hmm. us be able to do a podcast right now. It helps our kids, you know, to connect with friends. So obviously we have all these good uses of technology. And so we have brought it into our homes because we like the good parts, but along with that, the, the bad parts are like completely meshed together into the same device through the same platform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, you go to the grocery store, you can kind of be like, well, there's Cheetos and there's broccoli. (laughs) Like you can kind of like distinguish and like, yeah, we might eat Cheetos sometimes, but we're going to try to eat more broccoli. Right. But it's, it's so much more complicated with technology because the same device that can allow our child to take an online class or can help 
our husband learn how to fix the door on the minivan through a YouTube video, um, is the same device that can bring in pornography, online predators, um, videos about self-harm and suicide. Mm-hmm. And it, it's all there, <laughs> the good and the bad. And so as families, it's essential that we sit down together and really talk about our values. And, and then I just recommend families make a family tech plan together and you can make it really simple. Just talk about where will you use screens? So where's off limits and where's okay. Okay. What are you going to do on them? So talking about like the good things that you like to do with tech, but what are some things that are absolute pitfalls that your family doesn't want to, you know, fall into. And so you're talking about the where, what, when, when is okay. Like having a device free dinner and making sure that you're safeguarding those times of day when your family connects and really bonding. And those devices need to be out of the picture at those times of day. So yeah, talking about when and how long, And, you know, a lot of people want to know, like, how long's too long? And of course we have recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics and that's helpful, Yeah. but at the same time, you know, your child best. So that's why people are like, well, do I allow social media? Do I allow, allow this? And it's like, you know, how, what do you know about your child? Do they tend to kind of just are, do they kind of have an addictive personality where they tend to just get stuck with something and they don't want to get off? Yeah. And you know, like you need to have a shorter time limit so that they are going out and getting yes. to just be a kid and experience childhood. And, you know, I, I think often as parents, we wish, and we want that our kids could self-regulate on a screen, oh but it's goodness. really yes, we do. Not super <laughs> possible. <laughs> Not really possible because, because of two things. One there, our child's brain isn't fully developed. And so the prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that's responsible for decision-making is not fully developed until we're in yeah. our mid twenties. Yes. So we can't really make those decisions. And then the other thing is that our kids are, and all of us are fighting against uh, persuasive design. So there yeah. these apps. And the programs that we're using have been designed to keep us hooked because that's how big tech makes money Yep, and that's their job and we're using their tools. And so we have to be mindful of that. Yeah. You know, and I, I really like what you say about the fact that each kid has their, maybe their own like set of constraints or set of challenges or whether they have an addictive personality. I mean, our daughter, she loves shows. I mean, she would literally watch TV all day long. Now she's, she's about to be seven. So we're not into phone territory at all, but we have realized, you know, we need time to transition between technology and whatever is the next activity. So we cannot be like, okay, turn the TV off, get in the car. It is meltdown city. It is, um, it is just not a good look. So we, you know, sometimes like we would let her watch another show or another 10 minutes, but she, she's so incapable of transitioning in a tight time. So we've been like, okay, one of the things that can be better for our family is we got to move this up and give her time to do what she needs to do. Um, whereas my son, you know, okay, bud, let's get in the car. All right, mom. Walk, you know, walks to the car. No big deal. Yeah. It's so different. 
Yes. And they are, they're, they're, they are so different. And so that's why I tell parents like trust your intuition and, and then just be curious and watch and observe. And then you make decisions based on what's best for, for that child. And, um, you know, based on what, you know, and, and maybe you have one kid that doesn't really have a problem, but they need to, you kind of have a family rule that everybody follows and that's just easier. But I know, you know, for us, I think like with younger kids, 30 minutes is kind of a good amount of time. It's enough time to let them kind of maybe watch a show or, Mm -hmm. or play a game on the computer. And then I feel like once it gets past that, then it starts to be like just harder and harder for them to want to get off. Yeah. And so that's kind of what's worked for us. And, and my younger kids only do that at maybe twice a week. Okay. And it's very minimal because I just want them doing other things and kids adjust to those expectations, especially younger kids. And that's why I'm trying so hard to help families with the younger kids, because it only gets harder because we'll start sending the devices home. And then as they become teenagers, they're, they're connecting with their peers on a device. And so you really want to build those habits early and while they're young, where they, they know that there are boundaries and it's just going to help, help you and them. It will help your relationship too. Yeah, I totally, I mean, I believe everything you're saying, you know, I feel like me personally, I am, I'm much better like in the summer when the weather's nice, you know, I'm just like outside, get outside. We're going for a walk. We're doing this. We're going to go get ice cream or, you know, let's go play baseball. But like, I hate being cold. (laughs) I am not like, uh, let's build a snowman. So I feel like every, every spring I have like a reawakening, like no more movies, no more shows. Let's yeah. But you know, I, I think you're inspiring me to push myself. And it's like, like you said, it just gets harder when they get older. Yeah. And I think that there are seasons when you are naturally going to have more yeah. screen time when you've just had a baby or yes, you just moved. Sure. Or, and I think that's important to allow yourself some of that grace and understanding, yeah. Hey, this is temporary, but then also like listening to that wake up call when it's like, okay, Yeah. Yeah. That really hard phase is done and we can do better. And so let's do better. And that, you know, and I think that's just life, right? Like (laughs) with anything. (laughs) Yes, it is. Now I liked what you said about, um, where having specific places where technology is allowed and where it's not. Can you give us like a couple examples that people might not think of, or like ways that that's worked for different families? Yeah. So I think I thought about this, started to think about this more as my oldest was in middle school. And I knew that at some point she probably will have a device and, and then, you know, school devices started coming home. And so I thought, what can I do as a parent? How can I model this for my kids? And so as we sat down to create our family tech plan, you know, for the first time, like five years ago, um, I said, well, I really think that we need to keep devices out of the bedrooms and the bathrooms. And, you know, the kids were like, um, mom, you take your laptop in the bedroom. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I do. I'm going to quit doing that. And, Mm -hmm. and it was really, I think as parents, sometimes we are more, more motivated to do something when we're doing it for our kids. Heck yeah. That's okay. And so I did. And and then we said, well, 
they said, but you guys take your phones in the bedroom too. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, we do. (laughs) And so we had a conversation about that. And I just, as I was starting to run a business on using my phone, I realized I needed to have better boundaries because I was starting to use social media more ironically, ironically. Yes. (laughs) And so, um, so we did, I just committed to leaving my phone out of the bedroom and we have a charging station in our office. And so that's where my phone lives. And then we decided that my husband would take his phone into the bedroom at night to use as an alarm clock and for emergencies. And so he's very, he's just way more disciplined than I am. And so for our family, that's what worked best. He doesn't use social media. So it's literally like walk into the bedroom, he plugs it in. He doesn't text in there. He's not watching YouTube videos on it. Okay. He can just, that's just easy for him. He can comply with that. So I think for every family, it will be different. Like which Uh perhaps parent is more disciplined or they don't use their phone as much for work, whatever it is. Uh I mean, obviously there are people who are doctors and a lot of things where they have to have it by them. So then just using like those tools to, to make sure you're turning things off at certain times of night. Um, and so that's worked really well for us and it's helped. It just helps in so many ways. Um, so I look at my two oldest who are now 17 and 14 and sometimes, and they share a room. So sometimes at night I will hear them giggling at like 11 o'clock at night. And I just have to think, I'm glad that they're having conversation and they're not in there under their covers on a phone. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, you know, so like not only does it protect their sleep and, and which, you yep. know, yep. that translates to a lot of areas of your life, your so crucial. Yes. Your school, but also just like they're building a relationship with each other instead of being on a device. And the same goes through with a marriage or a partnership, instead of my husband and I being on our devices in bed, we're having conversations and it, and it's just, you know, it leaves room for a lot of, it just helps your relationship in so many ways, you know, letting the bedroom be a sanctuary and a place to rest. So that is one of the non-negotiables at our house and no screens in the bedroom and bathroom. And then we just use our screens in like our open family areas. Okay. And every once in a while, if I, I have to have a private conversation, I'll put my AirPods in okay, and I'll go talk with my AirPods in the bedroom, but I won't take my phone in. Um, but for the most part, yeah, we've just been able to do that. And we even did that during the pandemic. We had a wow, year of online school and my husband was home working too. So we had seven of us and we have a pretty small house because we we're in kind of an expensive resort town. And so we did it though. Lots oh, of, I'm lots impressed. of, um, air, air, yes. AirPods <laughs> and like headphones and that kind of thing. So, oh, see, it can be done. There you go. Yeah. So, um, I want to ask you, and I, and I know you get this question all the time on this, on the same kind of wavelength here, but about cell phones a little bit. So, you know, what age is your child ready for a cell phone? How will I know when my kid is ready? And you talk about this a lot. Um, so give us, give us your advice there. 
because cell phones really, really scare me. I think the whole world should agree to like, let's just say 20. Nobody gets a phone till 20. Everybody. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. It's so challenging because as, so my background is in secondary ed. So working with adolescents and as kids get older, their peers become more important and that is how they connect now. And so there is such a fine line between protecting them, but also allowing them to start to learn and to mentor them. And so what we did is we sat down with our kids and we asked them two questions. We said, what does it mean to be responsible? And what does it mean to be emotionally mature? Okay. And so the kids were like, oh, okay. So you get up for school on your own. You do your homework without being asked. You take care of your belongings and kind of made a list. And then as far as just being emotionally mature, it means you're kind to your siblings. You don't throw a fit when you don't get your way. Yeah. And so we compiled all of that into a list of 12 questions that we actually have on our website on betterscreentime.com. And it's just called, it's a self-evaluation. It's called, am I ready? And it's a set of questions that parents and kids and teens can go through together when they're starting to ask for a phone. And then I always encourage families, like plug in your own values and your own, you know, things that are important to your family into that, but it's a good baseline for people to start with. Yeah. And we always recommend you start with a kid's safe phone. So today there are now phones like Gab and TrueMe. So Gab isn't completely internet free, Okay. um, internet free smartphone. So it looks like a smartphone, it acts like a smartphone, but there is no internet on it. So they can, amazing. yeah, they can call and that was not available five years ago. So I just recommend parents start with something like that. Yeah. You know, so my sister turned me on to Gab and a couple other, but I, you know, I just feel like people don't know about them. Like they literally don't know that these phones are available. And so to your point, as peers become so important, you know, like we know people and their kid was the only one without a phone in the whole grade. And they said they got one because it led to, you know, he was being left out of all these things. Mm -hmm. That's very, that's a very real challenge. It is. Yeah. It's just different, a different era. And so it's kind of balancing that. So the gap has been great for us to allow that interaction with peers, but you know, they're not getting the social media and all that kind of stuff. And then with my oldest, my, with my 17 year old, she does have an iPhone, but it still has restrictions, has okay. parental controls and just lots of conversations about using it well. And I feel like we're in a really good place with her because we backtracked and then we yeah. took it really slow. And I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of how she uses her device to be honest. Yeah. And it makes me happy. You know, and so I have this conversation <clears throat> a lot because phones and kids really, really scare me. But as a professor, I have seen some students come in their freshman year and they've never had phones. They've been in like a really tight bubble and they they fall off the deep end because they have no skills. They have no coping skills. They weren't allowed to be on social media. So they get to college and then they're, they're sucked in and they're spending, you know, 20 hours a day because they never were taught how to use it. Well, Interesting. so yes. Yeah, so it's like, you, you can almost go so far the other way and that doesn't help your kid either. It doesn't serve yeah. them well. 
Exactly. Yeah. It, it's really tricky. It's tricky to find that balance, but that's where we're at, where I'm like, okay, I'm preparing you for college. We're still yes. taking it slow, but she's using, using it and learning to yeah have boundaries and create personal boundaries too. So I think it's really important. So I love hearing your perspective from what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, I teach at a Christian university and so we get all kinds of kids, but there, I mean, there are some kids who they just, you know, their parents were really sheltering and, you know, I'm sure it was with great intention and wonderful people, Mm -hmm. but you know, they need these skills. Technology is not going away. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I feel like I've definitely more land on that conservative side and those are a lot of the parents that I'm helping, like, Yes. Trying to find that balance because yes. obviously you can tell I put the TV in the closet. So yes, I, I leave for the sheltering side <laughs> for a long time. Oh, I love it. It's a, it's a, it's not a bad place to be. <laughs> so really kind of the last question I wanted to ask you here is you talk a little bit about this four, four phone phase process, which you kind of just alluded to, but can you give us an overview of your recommendation there? Yeah. So <laughs> Since you're teaching a Christian school, I can tell you this, but I really just took this to the Lord because I was confused and I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? I've tried to protect my kids for so long. I I still am supposed to protect them. And that is how I feel. It is is real. It is real. I just, I knelt down in prayer and I just was like, please guide me because I don't know what to do. And I just had this mental picture, just this image of four phones and like this four phase process. Again, this was before the gab phone existed. So there was no like real option like that, but it was basically just like starting with a brick phone which again, that's all that I could use at that time that didn't have any, any internet on it. And so today that could be even be like a gab and gab also has watches as well. Yes. They can only call like 10 numbers. So something really simple like that. So that's like the first step. And then the second step step is maybe, you know, allowing camera access or like group texting. And so maybe it's just a little, little bit more, but you still don't have internet. And then that third step would be allowing additional apps that are useful. So I'm like, think useful at this stage, at this state, the third phase of this, and we actually call it our smartphone stair steps. Okay. And this third step would be maybe allowing an app that they need for school or for church or for a team that they're on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like useful things. So still not really like games and things like that. And that is available now because of phones like pinwheel and true me. Those are both also options for parents that want a little bit more than a gab. So they do have internet access, but they have teams of like researchers and therapists that vet the app. So they kind of go through and say, no, this app's not okay for kids. This app is. And then as a parent, you on both of those, you have like a parent portal where you can go through and select the apps that you want to allow for your child. So that's that's really nice for like that. I mean, again, we do this later than maybe the average person because they will show images of like just kids doing this, but we don't 
we don't do this for our kids. This is more like for our young teens, for us. Mm -hmm. So like, um, right now my seventh and eighth grader, that's kind of where they're at. One of them has a gab and the other one has a true So it's kind of allowing a few more apps, but you still have a lot of parental oversight. Plus there's no social media. And then that very last step, that last step phase four is adding social media. And again, that's not a requirement. You might have a teen or a child that doesn't want social media. Then I say like, then don't, you know, don't worry about it. You still need to teach them and obviously have the conversations about, I would, I call it digital discernment. So having that skill of discernment to see between good and bad, right and wrong. But, you know, if you do have a team that's asking for it, then just starting with one social media app. And in fact, we like start on our own phone. So when we started an account for my oldest, it was on my device first. And that was the only way she could use it. And then, yeah. And then we moved on to, you know, putting on hers. And of course I have access to it. Mm And just keeping it really simple. And again, I think this comes down to knowing your child or your teen. Like I tell parents, if you have a child or teen that has had any history of depression, anxiety, suicide, self-harm, I would just steer clear of social media and because it's just become, um, such a trap for those kids because they're really comparing themselves to other people and finding a lot of content that's not healthy because of the way algorithms work. And, you know, you may have seen the show, the social dilemma, but, Oh, I make my students watch it. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So again, like if a child or a teen is like, Oh, am I, am I depressed? And so they start searching for that. That's the type of content they're going to keep seeing. Yeah. And to the point to where it can make the situation worse or convince them that they have something that they, they don't yeah. self-diagnose. And, and so again, I think this is where your parental intuition comes into play and it can be challenging. I think it's especially challenging if you have daughters, daughters yeah. tend to want social media sons typically are more into gaming. Yes. And so again, gaming brings its own dangers and harms, um, access to online predators and people and all kinds of things. So just like being mindful of adding those, that social media and those games on a device that's with your child or your teen 24 seven, it's a really, really big step. And so I say that's like for an, an older teen that doesn't have a history of mental health, um, problems. And then, and then again, even if they don't and you feel okay about it, take it really, really slow. Yeah. I love the slow approach. I mean, it's, it's what I said earlier. It's just, it's so hard to go backwards. It's so hard to rein it in when you've already unleashed the beast, if you will. Um, yes. and you know, I mean, I talked to my students and you know, they, they just, they're never, none of them are ever like, I wish I had X, Y, Z earlier, you know, that, you know, which kind of goes back to your point about like, they can't self-regulate because they're not old enough yet. You know, it's, it's the peer pressure, but it's also, you know, the way our bodies are developing and our brains and, you know, um, what they can handle. Yeah, no, exactly. 
Yeah. I love that you've had these conversations with your students because it's so that self-awareness is so yes. important. Well, and they talk about, you know, almost all of my female students, they talk about, I make them write a reflection paper. And I've been doing this for 10 years now. And so I've read hundreds of papers and I would say over half of the females every semester write about how they struggled with comparison mm. on social media as a teenager. I'm They're sure. so reflective about it as 22 year olds or 21 year olds. Like it's just different. They, they, they're okay being different when they're 21. They like a lot of different things about themselves that they couldn't like when they were 16. It didn't make sense. I love that. Wow. Yeah. It's been That's really eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there for sure. For sure. You know, when these guys, they're kind of the first generation to have access for, you know, most of their childhood. Yeah, exactly. So really their stories tell a lot. They do. Yeah. And of course we know mental health is very real and, um, needs addressed and you cannot help, but make some of the connections between some of the technology and the mental health crisis in our country for sure. Yes. Andrea, this has been so interesting. I, I love this kind of work. I think it's really stressful. Like I was so excited to talk to you today and like, also like, Oh, what does this mean? But like, it's not going away. Right. It's no. just going to get bigger. Um, yeah. and we can't put our heads in the sand either. Like no. I would like to do. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you can. And again, it's like, you can protect your young ones for so long and keep them away, but it's even with our younger kids, more and more kids are getting devices at a younger age. And so even if you yeah. as a parent are not bringing those things into your home, they're going to school with kids that are or on the bus. And it's just, it's frightening the things that our kids are being exposed to at a younger and younger age. And so it's just, you know, I just tell parents like, just do one thing at a time. Um, we have a book on Amazon called creating a tech healthy family with 10 discussions to have with your kids. Awesome. And that's kind of my answer to that. Where do I even start and just start with those conversations with your kids? Cause you'll, you'll never regret preparing them and it's, it's up to us. So I, I I'm with you. I am with you. You are preaching to the choir. All right. So how can people connect with you? Where can they, you just mentioned your book, give us the title again and where they can get some of the resources and then also connect with you. Yeah. So our book is called creating a tech healthy family, 10 must have conversations to help you worry less and connect more with your kids. And then we have a couple of online courses. Those are both available on our website at betterscreentime.com. We also have a lot of free resources like screen-free ideas. If you're wanting to do a seven day connection reset, you'll find that on our website and, um, the self-evaluation, am I ready for a cell phone? That's on our website. And then we are ironically on Instagram and Facebook. (laughs) So you can find us there at better screen time. Uh, Well, thank you for spending some time with me today, Andrea. I know you're busy. And so I know my listeners are going to love this. This has been so useful. And so thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. 
And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.